0: It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey.
1: Hey, good morning Elevate. Very excited today. It's the fifth and final installment of our series Good News and we launched this looking at a letter that Paul one of the big wigs of the early church wrote to the church in Rome and it's, it's been often referred to this letter often referred to as the greatest book it was a letter but now we call it a book What a bunch of weirdos we are. Uh, The greatest book in the entire Bible, which is a big call. And uh, look, this is just week five. We're going to land it today. But there's so much more we could have unpacked. What I would encourage you to do, those of you here today, if you missed any of those four uh, weeks or those of you joining us via podcast, go back and and listen to them. Uh, add, Add it to your summer Listening playlist if you're in the Southern Hemisphere or your winter listening playlist if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and uh, catch up on that. But you know, we're, we're obviously nearing the end of the year and uh, it's kind of like a thing when we come to the end of the year that everyone's launching listicles of the best of. You know, Spotify and Apple Music are telling you the, the most listened to songs of the year, the most listened to podcasts of the year um, and, and, and on and on it goes. I've been thinking back to this year, like, what are some of my highlights? And I got to say one of the biggest highlights for me in 2021 was the 2020 Olympics. I know, sounds odd, but you'll you'll remember. Uh, I loved it. I mean, was it going to happen? You know, they're going to have to put it off, cancel it. And, and I'm so uh, impressed, was so impressed by the organisers and the nation of Japan and everyone that kind of made it a reality, because I'm a bit of an Olympic fan and I've been known to kind of just look like a crime scene took place for two weeks on my couch during the Olympics with me just lying there with the remote control, switching between the events. Um, found myself watching, as I do every four years, sports that I have zero interest in any other time of the year. Don't know anything about them, don't know the rules, don't know the competitors, but I'm watching. And uh, equestrian. Artistic gymnastics. Woo. Yeah, come on now. I'm like, what's with the ribbons, people? Anyway, and, but I'm, I, I love the competition and I love the feats that they accomplish. And just this amazing, the best of the best in an era coming together in one place for a two-week period just to, to, to show off. But let me ask you a question. If, like me, you watch the Olympics, have you ever... Have you ever, just come on, be honest now, have you ever found yourself watching an event and whilst it's happening, you've kind of think to yourself, I could probably do that. Have you ever kind of, you know, gone there? Because here's the thing, in that context, they all look about the same. You know, like like in basketball, the six foot six guy looks like a midget on the court. So you're saying to yourself, I'm 5'10" i probably the same height as him. So I could probably be a part of that team as well. But no, you can't. See, the problem is because his teammates are seven foot three. That's why he looks like a midget. In fact, I would love it if every single event in the Olympics had you in it. Just one of you, not all of you, just one of you. Like you jump in because that will help us understand just how enormously impressive everyone else is. Because now you've got context, the elite and the not elite. Now. Don't believe me? James Corden, host of The Late Late Show, he decided to demonstrate this, where he and his staff uh, took over the parking lot next to their studio and decided to challenge Usain Bolt to a 100-meter sprint. And uh, well, it went something like this. On your mark,
0: get set.
1: And they're off. And Jeff Kopp is
0: down. Usain Bolt quickly taking the clear lead. Corden's already slipped out of frame. Owen Wilson's in there somewhere. And Usain Bolt wins. Corden holding strong in twentieth place. What a race! Number one.
1: All every day, number one. So that went about as you'd expect, huh? But here's the thing about people like Usain Bolt, you know, one of the, probably the goat in the sprinting world, Michael Phelps, like the goat in the, in the swimming pool. There's a few facts about them that caused them to be where they are when they were at the peak of their Olympic prowess. Number one is they didn't take up the sport and start training for it in the Olympic year. This was not like, oh, I've got seven months, I reckon I could get this, quit your job at the whatever. And secondly, they, whilst they obviously have God-given talent, you know, God put something in them that He didn't put in most people, uh, they didn't merely rely on that. In fact, the average Olympian trains 1,100 hours a year. That's the average Olympian, which to break it down, if they never took a day off, that would be an average of three hours a day, seven days a week. That's just the average Olympian. And they understand that to get to the Olympics and then ultimately to perform optimally at the Olympics is actually a process. It's a process that's going to have to take them from where they are to grow into and ultimately reach their maximum potential. They understand that growth is a process. It's a long-term process. It's an ongoing process. And you can either commit to the process or not. No one can make you commit to the process, therefore no one can make you grow. And in fact, some people choose not to commit to the process in life and ultimately don't grow. And no one ever says to them, my, how you've changed, because they haven't. So I wanna talk about growth today, the good news about growth. So we're gonna go right, not to the very end of Paul's letter, but just towards the end. Chapter 12, if you've got your Bible app or your Bibles, pop it open to Romans chapter 12. I'm gonna drill into the message version. Uh, but before we get to this, you know, Paul started his letter, the first four chapters, talking about faith, the good news about Jesus and faith and why that matters, God in a bod, what, what impact that has on us today. Then he shifted gears to talk about life application. Now that you've made a decision to place your faith in Jesus, here's how some of that will start to and can start to play out in your life as it happens. Now he shifts gears again and starts to talk about growth. And and he actually starts to lean into some of the same principles that an Olympic coach and an Olympic athlete would understand that are necessary, necessary to get a hold of and necessary to consistently apply or not to growth or not. So he's talked about the good news about Jesus. He's written about the good news about life change. He's written about the good news about joy. He's written about the good news about God's love and a few other topics which we haven't had time to cover in this series. Now now he says that he's like, okay, having covered all of that, Jesus, life change, joy, God's love, here's what I want you to do. Like here's the next step. Here's here's the bridge to the next thing in this instructional uh, puzzle that I'm laying out for you. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Now, if when you read this for the first time, there is the potential to get a little bit miffed. It's like, Paul, you're telling me that my life is just ordinary and everyday, like you're some sort of superstar that travels around on private jets launching churches and I'm just kind of like, go to work, come home, tolerate the kids. Nice, good one, Paul, appreciate it. But the thing is, the audience that Paul was writing to, this would have been self-evident to them why he was making the distinction and calling out and giving them some, a framework for taking the, the, the stuff that seems everyday and ordinary, the going to work, the sleeping, the walking around. Because he was writing to a people who lived in a religious structure where there was things that were called sacred and those sacred things were the stuff that God was interested in. And then there was the stuff they would call secular. And that's the stuff that doesn't really make it onto God's radar. You know, the, the, the sacred stuff is the prayer offerings. I mean, that's the stuff that God's interested in. And the money offerings and the animal sacrifice offerings. I mean, do those things because they're, they're the sacred things. They're the stuff that God is interested in, but not don't, the other stuff it's not even, doesn't even get God's attention. And so Paul's saying, no, no, it all matters. Bring it all, bring every single aspect of your life. See, if we took that kind of uh, Jewish religious culture and applied it today as Jesus followers, it it would look something like this. The stuff that God's interested in, He's interested in uh, Sunday mornings, make sure you're here and you worship for 20 minutes. Uh, Most days, I mean, let's not get too carried away, but most days pray, and when you do, God, God's like, oh, okay, I got, you got my attention. Most days, read your Bible again. Let's not get zealots here, uh, and you know, make sure you give financially, and then, but, but the other stuff, the other 176 hours of the week, that's not the stuff that God's interested in. So that's not the stuff that matters. Whereas Paul's saying, no, bring everything, every aspect of your life, you can actually present to God as an act of worship. You can actually glorify Him and He can actually take it and use it every single aspect of your life. That's why as Elevate Church, our code includes, we always bring our best. And I've made sure the team gets this, that's not just on a Sunday, that's a life principle. When you go to work, bring your best, that glorifies God. When you're with your spouse, bring your best, that glorifies God. When you're with your kids, bring your best, that glorifies God. We don't say bring perfection, we say bring your best. And by the way, best is a moving target because you sometimes your best is better than your best yesterday But the question is still, is this in this moment, given all my life circumstances, is this my best? And that honors God and God will use that and take that your so-called, our so-called ordinary everyday lives, they matter to God. Now, today, marks day 365 since Louis and I moved into our new extension in our house in Kensington. Yay, yay, day 365, one year, we made it. Uh, and so the process was that we engaged a builder before the, the boom, thank goodness, so they actually showed up and, and built this thing rather than telling us, well, uh, we were here in three years to lay the slab. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the, the, the period, you know, came handover day. They say, here's your keys, beautiful, thank you. And, and then they go. Now, if we had an unlimited budget, you know, like rich as Donald Trump, then, then we might've just got everything done. You know, bring in the landscapers and bring in the, the painting crew and bring... But look, we don't have an unlimited budget. And so the builders moved off site, finished their contracted works. And there was still a list Of what I collectively refer to as finishing touches, and uh, we didn't give ourselves a timeline. You know how long it's going to take to get through these finishing touches, but you know you don't want to just like be living on a building site forever. So, all right. So I I became the project manager of the finishing touches, and uh, I started by dividing the the list of finishing touches into three categories. Category one was the DIY projects, the projects that I could do myself. And by the way, at the beginning of this uh, timeline, that was not a very long list that fit into category one projects because I did not come with much handyman expertise or experience. So God bless YouTube, I've been able to kind of extend my range But number one category was DIY projects. Second category of projects were projects where I could enlist a professional and I could actually contribute something. Like I could be their wingman so so I wouldn't have to pay for an apprentice or a trades assistant. So it's them leading the charge, bringing their expertise, and me just making some level of contribution. And then, then there had to be, and there was, in level three, category three, which was like, all right, Uh, I'm gonna pay a professional and I might not even be home when that job gets done. It's up to you, you do your thing, beautiful. Let me know, send me the invoice and uh, if we're happy with the work, I'll pay it. The thing about these three categories, only one of them was fully DIY. Had I attempted and had I tried to to scooch these category two and category three projects into category one where I two things would have happened. Number one, they would still be unfinished because I'd be just looking like, I really have no idea where you even begin this project. I can't find a single YouTube clip that I understand on this particular subject. Or I could have been so proud and stupid and tackled it myself and ended up with the sort of results that you could probably imagine I would have got by taking... Projects that were way above my pay grade and try to squeeze them into the DIY category just to save a bit of money in the short term. The problem with growth for some people, and Andrew actually started riffing on that a bit this morning, is some people take the DIY approach when it comes to their own growth and don't reach out and enlist God's expertise to play a part and to give them some guidance and some help in the process. And Paul, he has a pro tip. Don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking, that's not the pro tip. Here's the pro tip. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. See, DIY growth If you take the DIY approach to growth, you'll get the DIY results and they'll be limited to what you can bring to the table. But if you actually involve God, then the lid just comes off completely. There's no limit to what he can contribute to the growth process. Now, he doesn't say don't bring anything to the table. In fact, that's the point. Paul's just said bring everything to the table. Bring your sleeping, your waking, your working, your everyday lives. Bring that to the table and offer it up to God. Fix your attention on Him and then He'll do something. He'll change you from the inside out. Here's what I did uh, with I, uh, one, of, one of our Category 2 projects. Category 2, remember, was enlist a professional and offer your uh, assistance. And so one of them was uh, reticulation, full like the pipes and the this, that reticulation. So a uh, quick uh, product placement here, I enlisted Good Job Gardening Services, proprietor Gavin Jones, highly recommend him if you're in the uh, Perth and Belmont area. And I, I involved him because I knew, like I'd done a little bit of the, the black poly piping retic thing, me and YouTube and Bunnings, we figured that one out. But this one I knew was above my pay grade, but... I knew I could contribute something. So Gavin on a Saturday morning, we'd it, we got it, he, he t- turns up on site, he's in charge. In this story, for the next five hours, Gavin is God in this story, understand? Just for five hours. It's not his new job description, but he plays that role. He comes in as the person with more expertise, more knowledge, more now, all of that sort of stuff. And here's what I did, this is it. This was, this was all I did for five hours. So, 8 a.m., Gavin, what do you want me to do first? And he says, here's a trenching shovel, dig trenches. And I say, I can do that. How deep and how wide and where? And he said, this depth, this width, and there, 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 and there. And that's what I did. I didn't argue. I didn't say to him, what do you know? I didn't say, I don't, uh, sorry, I don't do trenches. I feel my coffee machine calling me. I just said, great, okay, no worries. I go off, I dig the trenches. He's he's doing the sort of expertise stuff. Uh, and then I finish the trenches and I say, okay, Gavin, what's next? And he says, next is this. Okay, good, to do that. finish that, come back. Okay, what's next? This is exactly what Paul's, telling us to do. Fix your attention on God. God, what's next? God, what do you want me to do next? And God says great, take what you've brought and do that and if you do that, Paul points to a promise you will be changed from the inside out. You will get better than DIY results. In fact he then finishes, he lands it this is what God does. God brings the best out of you. Like I, 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 I'm like, I needed to know depth and width and location of trenches. So my trenches that I ended up digging were like literally world-class. Like you could not have had better trenches even if you paid a professional to do it. But that's because I asked Gavin and he told me and I did what he told me to do and it brought the best out. So God God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So Paul's talked about all this stuff, bring your everyday ordinary lives, bring it all. Do this, fix your attention on God, readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, dig the trench, make sure, and and then he points, and this will lead you to a promise. This is heading towards God will develop well-formed maturity in you. I mean, that is a juicy, juicy, juicy promise. So he said, here's the pathway and here's the promise. And if you do the pathway, that, that's, that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's waiting for you, well-formed maturity. Because here's a fact about growth. You can change without growing, but you can't grow without changing. I'm gonna say it again, because it's so good, but it's so important. You can change without growing. You know, people that are different, but not good different, better different. They're just different. In some cases, worse different. You can change without growing, but you can't grow without changing. So if we wanna grow, we actually have to make friends with change not resist it, not avoid it, not play duck and cover, not get involved in an arm wrestle with God, not try to negotiate our way out of a hostage situation that's requiring us to change before we get to move on to the next phase of our lives. We need to make friends with with change. In fact, there's a meme, hold hold it, but there's a meme that I discovered, which, oh my gosh, when I first, I was like, that's it. This is why so many people don't Grow. And here's the meme. This is the question being asked Who wants change? Yeah! Who wants to change? Huh? Oh, I thought you meant someone else. I thought you meant, like, I, I love change except when it affects me. I mean, if everything could change for the better and I could just stay the same, I mean, come on now, that's got to be an answer to prayer right there. But actually, growth requires change. All right, now I'm staying in verse two. This is like some, some great stuff. I'm just gonna take a deep dive there. Let's go back to the top of verse two. This is Paul writes, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. And then he drops down and says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So he, he uses the phrase your culture and the culture twice in just this one verse. And he contrasts it with unlike the culture around you, dragging down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, if you've been around like church world when you were growing up, some of you, May have had it drilled into you that you're not allowed to listen to secular music. Had it drilled into you that the only movies you're allowed to watch are Veggie Tales. And then when you turn 18, you can watch some of the movies Kirk Cameron starred in. But that's it. Spider-Man is off the list for you. And, 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 we, and, and, and that, that approach formed this kind of, let's wrap you up in bubble wrap so none of that icky stuff gets on you and you'll be safe for the rest of your life. But here's the problem with that thinking. We're called to influence culture. We're called to be salt and light. You can't influence culture if you're isolated from culture. So, so Paul's instruction isn't to isolate ourselves from culture. It's simply this. He actually draws a distinction between prevailing culture and kingdom culture. Here's, here's the great news, because some of you are like, oh dear, what do I have to give up? No, here's, here's the great news. There is actually some overlap between prevailing culture and kingdom culture. And, and where there's overlap, we're good to go. It's green lit. You don't have to ask for forgiveness. Once you've done it, God's like, yep, everyone else is doing it and I'm okay with it too. So that's great. We love the overlap. We don't look like idiots because we're doing what everyone else is doing in those things. Paul's saying, however, there's some aspects that don't overlap. There's some things that everyone's doing that in our prevailing culture that actually aren't greenlit, that are not going to lead us to this higher level where God promises to develop well-formed maturity in us. So stay away from those things. They're low altitude stuff. And instead, where the things don't overlap, say no to them and say yes to the kingdom culture stuff that doesn't overlap. And yeah, that'll make you look different, but it'll also lead you to a different place, a better place, a higher altitude Place So wherever you have to choose, wherever we have to choose as Jesus followers, wherever there's no overlap between prevailing culture and kingdom culture, choose kingdom culture because kingdom culture comes with the promise. It will take us to a better place. It will develop well-formed maturity in us. Choosing prevailing culture only, where they don't overlap, will not develop well-formed maturity in us. So some of you who regret... Breaking your CDs when you started following Jesus? Well, I can't help you there. Maturing is a process. Now, let me give some examples. I could talk about the stuff that's on the prevailing culture. We like don't do that or God won't be pleased. It's not that sort of message today. Let me talk about the kingdom culture stuff that actually doesn't overlap. Let me, let me focus on them. And I'm just gonna kind of fly over some of the big rocks. And these aren't in any particular order. In fact, I would stack them all alongside each other, being like, let's do all of these. And I need to warn you that I will be dropping a few S-bombs in this next five minutes. So put your content filters on. The should word. I know, I don't like to use it very often. My mom taught me better than that. But I'm afraid these are like, I'm gonna hit on the big rocks that fit into the should category. So as Jesus followers, our words should be different than the prevailing culture. And again, this is not don't swear because God, he blocks his ears and he gets upset. No, it's like our words should be better. Higher altitude, our language, the things that we speak, the focus we give to, the the, the stuff we prioritize when we speak should be higher altitude than prevailing culture. Understanding that words create worlds. So the sort of world that God wants to create in you and create around us in our sphere of influence is higher altitude stuff. So so using uh, low altitude words like Uh, negativity and criticism and sarcasm and gossiping, theres stuff that is perfectly acceptable in our prevailing culture, but they're low altitude stuff and they'll keep you at a low altitude. And if you take that approach, because words create worlds, we'll actually end up living at that altitude. I said to the team this morning, there's the phrase birds of a feather flock together. In other words, you're gonna get to spend your time hanging around other birds, but do you want them to be turkeys or eagles? They're gonna be birds. Which sort of bird do you wanna be hanging around and what altitude do you wanna live at? Because turkeys can't fly and eagles don't particularly care to walk. And so we focus, our our words speak life into everybody in every situation. Why waste your time speaking negativity will actually lead us to God using that to develop well-formed maturity in us. Here's another thing that should look different. Money, how we handle money as Jesus followers operating with a kingdom culture priority should look different. Like our bank accounts should have some line items on them that don't appear on a prevailing culture bank account statement, right? Uh, He's gonna talk about giving. Yeah, I am, but not first. Because before I talk about giving, there actually should be a few line items that don't show up on our bank account statement, like consistently spending on your credit card more than will you earn. It's like, that's not kingdom culture. That's prevailing culture. Like, like uh, Amazon, uh, you're... Amazon delivery driver actually knows you and your spouse and your kids by your first, middle, and last name. That's probably not a good sign. Spending should look different. And yes, giving should land on our list of priorities because that's the stuff that's important in kingdom culture when it comes to money. That's why we teach, give, save, live. More on that next year. Here's one, maybe a bit obvious, but time. Our calendars, our should, should look different, should have some things etched in there that don't come and appear on a, the calendar of someone who's not a Jesus follower, prevailing culture calendar, kingdom culture calendar. Here's some examples of that. Bible reading. Like if you're not a Jesus follower, unless you're Jesus curious, why would you read your Bible? You wouldn't. You, 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 you doom scroll Instagram and that's about the content input for the week. Whereas Jesus followers, we wanna grow. So, so we should prioritize consistently getting into God's word because in there will come truth and revelation that will inspire us, instruct us and challenge us to grow. That's the stuff that God uses. So there's Bible reading. Okay, sure. Here's one. And yes, I'm about to preach to the choir because you're all here, attending. Now, we call it our live experience. We have 5 p.m. Sundays, our online experience, attending. Imagine this. Now, now think in terms of a team sport. Imagine someone on the Aussie basketball team or soccer team, I know it's called football, or the volleyball team, whatever, and and the team's preparing the Olympics, and one of the athletes uh, says to the coach, yeah, you know what? I think this training stuff's overrated. I'll see you at the Olympics, I'll be there, but I ain't coming to any of the training sessions. And the coach would say, uh, I'm not sure you really understand how this works. So one of the things we do when we gather together is we, we encourage one another, we learn together, we grow together, following Jesus is a team sport. We say that a lot and so be, be prioritizing 10 a.m. Sunday morning here gathered together hearts open coming with faith and expectation and passion and enthusiasm did I say 10 I meant 959 being here by 959 bum in seat ready to go come on now God what do you got for me today Woo-hoo. that's putting ourselves in an environment that God's gonna use to train and develop us so that we go from here, having grown some, having gotten a leg up. Yeah, you can do some of the stuff on your own elsewhere, sure. And by the way, do that as well. But this is like one of the big rocks that we prioritize. And, and, and then I've left this one for last and I've done it intentionally because it actually leads on to something that Paul wrote next. And it's serving, you will, you will never, well, unless someone like uh, sneaks it uh, accidentally, but you, you won't hear us here talking about we need people to join a team. We need people to join our Elevate Kids team. We need people to join our hosts team. We need people to join our media team. Because the biblical perspective isn't a begging or pleading thing. The biblical perspective is, is, is hopefully us growing in our understanding that every one of us has an opportunity to play a part, to be a contributor. And that's actually how Jesus' body functions and grows and is effective and how we actually find growth and meaning in the place of contributing. In fact, Paul wrote it this way. We are like, he's talking about the church here. We are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body, the chosen people, yeah. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. That's verse four, and then you can go and read verse five and six, and Paul starts to outline some of the spiritual gifts that God's placed in different people. And those spiritual gifts, that, uh, highlighting them and us actually discovering what, which of the gifts we've been given are actually clues towards to pointing us towards where God wants us to make our contribution. So it's not random. It's not everyone just kind of have a go weekend. It's like, there's going to be actually, and we call, we call about it. We talk about it as find your fit, that in the body, each of us has a part. Because, have you ever had a part of your body that wasn't working for an extended period of time? And I'm not talking about your pinky finger, which you know is probably a little bit superfluous most of the time, but a leg, like your leg fell off at one point in your life. And it, sorry, Nettie B. Uh, well, okay. No, but she was just waving it. Talk to Nettie B afterwards. That was not the highlight of her life because a, a significant part of the, if, if the body, if all of the parts of the body are not functioning together, Together, harmoniously, listen to me, right? There's a word for it in the medical community. It's called dis and Paul's outlining that the, the body is meant to come together and function together, and, and it's because if we function together that we can be healthy and we can actually function optimally as a body's meant to. So we don't talk about we need people to elevate kids, and the person that feels the most guilty goes and joins the team and they hate it and they hate kids and we're like, "Who let them in here?" It's like, no, 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 find out, find, but, but have the appetite because it's in the serving and the contributing. That's one of the pathways that God uses to develop well-formed maturity in us. And here's the thing I've noticed. Um, uh, I've been a professional Christian for 25 years. I know I don't look 25, 25 years. And, uh, and Jesus followers before that, anyway. And uh, one thing I've observed is that the people that God has formed this well-formed maturity in, because you can see it when, it when it's there and you can see it over time, especially, the people that God has formed that, it, it hasn't come as a fluke. It's not like, wow, wow what's the secret? It's because that person committed themselves consistently over years to do the things, to put them in the place, to show up, to to, to, to learn, to grow, to let God use other people, to, to let God to actually develop well-formed maturity in them. It's not like I didn't see that coming. It's like you can actually see when people are on that pathway and then you can see when someone's developing that well for maturity. You look back over the highlight reel of their life and they were just consistently doing the stuff. Olympic athletes will tell you not every training session is glamorous. Sometimes training sucks. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you don't want to be there. Most Olympic athletes in in, in, in in most sports across most countries they have a job as well. so after they've finished working for the day because their countries or their sport doesn't financially support them, they have to then grab their stuff and go and train for another three hours. but they understand that that's part of the process even if it's not easy even if it's not uncom- even if it's not comfortable and even if it's not convenient. So our code is Elevate Church is that we always pursue growth and learning. And this is much as much as it's the last message of this series, I really hope this perspective that Paul's outlined in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 and 4 actually gives us a greater appetite to go into 2022 with a growth mindset pursuing growth and learning that that 2022 i'm going to finish 2022 with more well-formed maturity than when i started
0: we really hope you got a lot out of this message if you live in the Perth area we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences for times and directions as well as information head to our website elevatechurch.me For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.